Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we'll be breaking down some of the top storylines ahead of week six before doing a round of buy or sell in regards to different position groups with the best and worst upcoming strength of schedules. Hope everyone has had a successful first five weeks of fantasy football land, but we got more work to do, people, before we go get that championship. Uh, joining me today is one of the sharpest dudes in the fantasy industry, software engineer and senior fantasy analyst at PFF. Number one ranked NFL straight up picker by pick watch from 2016 and 2019. Nate Yonke. Nate, how's it going, man? It's good. It's a little confusing right now because we had the Tuesday night game. So I don't know if it's Tuesday or Friday or Wednesday or what day it is. All thrown off, but get, I'm ready to talk about some week six games. You said it, man. Tuesday football, well, it was great. It's throwing everything off. Not having yeah. Thursday, man. Like I, I literally today was the first time all week that I realized I didn't need to bust my butt like earlier this week to get to get stuff out before the Thursday night game. But whatever, we're almost there as usual. And yeah. we got a football to break down. So I put together the top 10 storylines of the week just based on various factors. Uh, check out the Wednesday podcast between myself and Joy McFarlane if you're looking for a game-by-game breakdown of week six. But without further ado, let's get after it. Nate. Andy Dalton's under center now for the Cowboys. I know Booger and Tony Dungy have said otherwise, but I think we all know that this is a negative for the team. Regardless, do you see this offense still enabling so many high-end fantasy assets, and is Zeke about to eat more than ever? Um, I think even if there wasn't this injury, I think it would have been hard for Dallas to sustain the same offense that they've been having, putting up these huge numbers, and they keep having more injuries on the offensive line. So I think Dalton, of course, was one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league heading into the year. So I don't think it'll hurt things too much, but um, it'll be hard to continue having both a running back and two to three wide receivers and a tight end to continue to put up these numbers. And Zeke in particular, I don't think we'll see a huge boost from this just since um, McCarthy loves to pass, whether he's winning, whether he's losing. Um, When Aaron Rodgers was hurt for the Packers, when McCarthy was coached, the backups ended up passing more than Rodgers ever did just because they were losing in game. So they needed to pass a little more to catch up. So I still think um, they'll be passing plenty. So Zeke will be fine, but I don't think he gets a boost from this. Interesting note there on Rodgers. Yeah. I, um, I guess that makes sense. Still pass first. I wouldn't be shocked if their pace at least comes down a little bit right now. They're running the fastest offense by far, but good note. They could still be pass first. So early on this year, we've seen Amari Cooper just be the outright number one. Wasn't that way last year. I mean, city lambs getting fed too, but out of the three, you know, Cooper Gallup lamb, who do you kind of trust the most and trust the least to keep, keep on keeping on. Um, I probably still trust Cooper and Lamb the most, but I think it'll be more balanced than what we've seen these last few weeks. It was a pretty small sample size, what we've seen of Dalton so far with the Cowboys offense, but he seemed to spread the ball around even more than Dak had been. So um, there's certainly a chance Dalton will develop a a target he likes the best over time, but I wouldn't know who that is right now. So I'd still trust the people we've trusted so far. Yeah, you said it. He was spreading it out upon coming in. Three targets for CD and Cooper, three also for Gallup, and then two for Tony Pollard. So uh, good stuff there. Moving on here, expectations for Alexander Madison this week. Dalvin Cook did not practice on Wednesday. It's sounding more and more like he is going to miss this game with a bye week on the horizon in week seven. So, you know, Alexander Madison, we've been touting him on this podcast uh, pretty much all offseason. As you know, a true three-down handcuff, someone we can confidently rank in the top 12 if the time comes. Nate, it seems like the time has come. How are you approaching Madison this week? Yeah, so first off, um, hopefully Cook gets better soon, and obviously we don't want anyone hurt, but I do hope that we get to see Madison in a full-time role and see what he does. I definitely think he'll be a 
top 10 running back this week. I think it'll be interesting that I think he can do even better than Cook had been just because of how playing time I will be distributed. Um, these past few weeks, Cook's been playing about 73% of offensive snaps, and that's just because of how good Madison is, and um, it makes sense to get him on the field and give Cook a little bit of rest here and there. But the gap between Madison and the rest of the Vikings running backs is even larger than the gap between Cook and Madison, so I could see Madison seeing even more playing time than Cook had been seeing. Um, in the second half of the past game, he was playing over 80%, so... Um, I definitely think he'll get the ball off and I think he'll do well with his opportunities and it'll be interesting to see if Cook misses even more time than this one game. Yeah, one of the more uh, informative podcasts for me that I went on during the offseason was with a Vikings beat reporter. And the big question I have was, if something happens to Cook, are we going to see Madison have the same role or is it going to be like we saw last year where both Madison and Cook were hurt. And because of that, it was Mike Boone, man guy, and then, uh, you know, Amir Abdullah on pass downs. This guy could not have been more like, no, that's not going to be the case. It's Madison's backfield. And he even noted that the coaches were just super impressed with his uh, uh, pass blocking ability, which, you know, we don't always care about fantasy land, but obviously matters uh, in real life. So I'm happy you said that there is a big gap between Madison and these other guys. I agree. And it seems like the Vikings do too. Uh, moving on to the Bengals. So Joe Mixon, his week four was huge with the three touchdowns against the Jaguars, but week five was arguably even more important seeing him get such a big pass game role in a game that was never close. Talked to PFF's Dwayne McFarlane yesterday. He was saying that the targets were a little, you know, gimmicky. He doesn't see him uh, kind of having the same role moving forward. I'm pretty pumped though. Are you buying the potential for Mixon to flirt with, you know, top five, top eight production moving forward? Yeah, I'm not sure he'll get quite to top five, at least depending on if all these running backs keep getting hurt, if Mixon stays healthy and everyone else is hurt, he'll get there. But um, I don't think he's getting enough of the third and long snaps. Um, he's not really getting the two-minute drill stuff. Uh, these past two games, the Bengals really hadn't had too much of a two-minute drill. Um, the Two weeks ago, they had one, but they were already decently close to scoring. So it's not like they were trying to conserve time there. So I think uh, Giovanni Bernard still getting a lot of the playing time that he had been getting before. It was just game script that allowed Mixon to be on the field even more than usual recently. So um, I definitely think he'll still be better than what he was doing those first three weeks where he wasn't really that efficient running with the ball. But I'm still not seeing him as a top five back compared to some of these backs who are seeing all those third down opportunities and those two minute drills and might be a little more talented than Mixon is. Yeah, better offensive lines. Yeah, the more we look in the seven targets, I think you're right. It does seem like it was probably more of a one-week uh, blimp on the Raider. Mustache Geo not going anywhere just yet. Okay, so point number four here. Credit to the Browns for their early success. A one is a win is a win. With that said, I mean, you know, all right, they beat the, we have the Ravens, we've had the Bengals, the Washington football team, and the Dallas Cowboys. Right now, Baker Mayfield, somehow, despite all this winning, has his worst PFF passing grade and worst uh, lowest amount of yards per attempt in his career. Now they got to show up against the Steelers. Are you buying this Browns for him one start, or do you think we're about to see them crashing back down to what we're used to seeing the Browns look like? Um, I think they'll definitely play better against the Steelers than they have in past years. I think that entire offense is looking fairly good, and I think – this matchup in particular is very interesting to me since um, the Browns, one of the biggest changes they made this offseason to their offense is fixing both of their offensive tackle problems. So their pass blocking has been looking excellent this season, while the Steelers' biggest strength on defense so far has been their pass rush. So it's kind of a strength against strength. Um, the second best thing for both units has been 
the Browns rushing offense and run blocking as well as the Steelers run defense. And then probably the weakest points have been the passing offense and the coverage. So it's a lot of strength against strength, weakness against weakness. So I think this in particular is a very interesting test for the Browns. Yeah, man, we've seen that Steelers pass rush just overwhelm teams, but this version of the Browns team might be pretty uh, well suited to deal with it. So we'll see. Still don't really, I mean, do you see Beckham and Landry truly becoming consistent guys? Or do you think the Browns are just going to keep running the ball pretty much as much, as much as they can? I think they'll still run as much as they can, which will limit both of their targets. But Beckham has been looking better recently. Um, Landry, I think, needs a little bit higher target share to start trusting him more. But I think Odell Beckham can be pretty well trusted right now. Yeah, he's healthy. And I looked at this today. Uh, Beckham has a team high six targets inside uh, the 20-yard line. Jarvis Landry, zero. They are truly going out of their way to get OBJ some fantasy-friendly opportunities. And credit to him for making the most of them so far. Okay, uh, Matthew Stafford. been monitoring his average target depth all year. First two weeks, not so good. Makes sense. Kenny Galladay was out. We got Kenny G back in week three, and we've seen the average target depth rising ever since. Now we got a soft uh, schedule coming up here. I was one of the clowns that picked the Lions to win the NFC North. All right, like, laugh it up. I get it. But at a minimum, do you think that this passing game in Detroit can get back on track here in the second half of the season? I think there's definitely room for improvement. I'm not overly optimistic about them, (laughs) just since Stafford's uh, PFF grade has been the lowest it's been since his rookie year, which is pretty disappointing. He hasn't picked off, picked up where he left off last season where he was playing very well. So if he can get back to playing as well as he was last year, as you said, the schedule looks fairly good for him these next couple of weeks. So if there's any time for him to pick it up, it's these next few weeks. But I can see um, their offensive line in general is doing pretty decent. So that at least helps going forward as well. So it really is a lot on Stafford, and if Stafford can start playing better, then the sky's the limit. So I've got some questions this week about DeAndre Swift because we've seen Agent Peterson dominating so much early down work, but they drafted Swift so high, they just had a bye week. You know, I guess it's uh, – we have to guess pretty much at this point because we're not seeing, you know, what the snaps look like, look like this week. But do you think that Swift is going to get more involved here as the season goes on, or are we just stuck with this three, four-headed mess? I would certainly hope that he gets more involved, but it seems like Adrian Peterson's had the most consistent role as the primary person running the ball. And then they've switched off who's getting the third down snaps and being the primary backup to Peterson on the early downs too. So hopefully he's given the opportunity to take more of the role. And I think a lot of it will also depend on how well Detroit's doing if they're staying in the playoff race or not. Um, if they're out of it those last couple of weeks, I could see them giving him a lot more opportunities just to see how good he is. But if they stay close in that playoff hunt, then I think Peterson will keep the role that he's been playing. And then he's um, competing with on Johnson for those third down snaps and those backup snaps to Peterson. That's a good point. We always see that, you know, big workload shift towards the second half of the season. We've been waiting for it to happen with Antonio Gibson, but the Lions keep uh, failing. Could see Swift perhaps be that guy. A uh, quick shout-out here, PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcast. They'll provide the most interesting football conversation in sports every single week, and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be talking uh taking a deep dive into the game of football as he sees it inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that's happening in the great game of football that's the chris collinsworth podcast featuring richard sherman mark your calendars you do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season nate we're on the point six here david montgomery has had a workhorse role 
in two straight weeks. As far as we know, we're recording this podcast Wednesday afternoon. Le'Veon Bell has not signed with the Chicago Bears. We'll see what happens. But assuming he doesn't, we got Montgomery. He gets a Panthers run defense that has stopped Kenyon Drake, and that's about it over the past two seasons. What do we need until we can treat Montgomery? What do we need to see until we can treat Montgomery as a top 12 RB? Because if it's not now, man, I don't know when it's going to be. Yeah, I think the Bears really need a better game script than what we've seen these last two weeks when he's been the main guy. Each time the Bears have allowed scores on the first defensive drive for them, so they've been down right away. Um, Next thing you know, it's the second quarter. They might be down by two scores, so they're already passing to catch up. Um, So I think that's really been the main thing that's prevented them from running more than they've been running these past two weeks. I think as long as he can get those carries, then he can accumulate the yards needed to have big fantasy games but I think if he doesn't do it against the Panthers this week I think it's harder to trust him going forward and they could very well either it's Bell or I've heard Lamar Miller possibly eventually so Montgomery really needs to show it this week if he can keep that role going forward too needed needed Montgomery eight targets last week if he keeps this 80 percent role people he's gonna produce despite in spite of himself uh potentially if he keeps on struggling I do have some concern about the you know lack of explosive runs at this point as well has had better numbers you know yards after contact for carry in that but we need to see something here I think uh, the offense is getting a little bit restless all right another backfield that is way less clear right now is the Rams uh week to week mess we got Sean McVay saying Cam Akers will see more work this week but you know if you look at the whole statement kind of of what you've been saying about they love their three running backs and they're going to kind of go week to week with it. Do you see anybody emerging as a consistent RB2 here anytime soon, or do you just think it's going to continue to be one guy after another, depending on the week? I think it's definitely possible. I think out of those three, Malcolm Brown is the least likely at this point. Um, throughout the season, his role has actually been decently consistent. Uh, he's been the third down back every game. Um, He's mostly been the primary backup to whomever for the first and second downs and playing significantly in those situations. So 40 plus percent of the time. And he started the season as the goal lineback. Then he started sharing that with Henderson. And now Henderson's been getting all of the goal line carries. And then this past week with Cam Akers coming back, it was Akers more taking Brown's early down work than cutting into Henderson's playing time. So um, I think Henderson in particular, as long as he can maintain those goal line carries and still see over 50% of those first and second downs, then in the right matchups, he should be able to get plenty of rushing yards and hopefully a touchdown or two. But it's certainly possible Akers starts out playing Henderson and, and could get the goal line carries as well, in which case it switches which running back you want on the team. I'm fine with like either of those, man. I just cannot have this 33, 33, 33 split backfield. We can live with two backs, even like if it's a 50%, 25, 25 or something. But please do not make this, you know, Tampa Bay 2019 all over again, McVeigh. We are begging you. Okay, so great story with Alex Smith returning to action. Give him the comeback player of the year right now. I think we're all in agreement here. But, you know, offense could not move the ball with him and even like Kyle Allen as well, man, it was looking rough even before Alex Smith got into the game. We have heard that, you know, Kyle Allen will be starting again this week. Uh, how do you feel about McLaurin and to, I guess, a lesser extent Antonio Gibson? We know Gibson's still, you know, fighting with McKissick, but mainly like, can we still trust Terry McLaurin? I think we can. He saw seven targets. So even though it's been different quarterbacks throwing him the ball, he's still getting thrown at. And they were just facing a better defense than what they've been facing, better outside cornerbacks. So 
I think a lot of it was matchup dependent. Even if they didn't make the quarterback change, I think this would have been a week where he probably would have had a down week. But I think against plenty of other matchups, I think he'll be just fine whoever's throwing him the football. I think he's that talented that he should be good. And then uh, Gibson, I don't think the quarterback change really changes how I feel about him. Um, He's still not getting over 50% of the snaps, which is a little concerning. Um, Some of that might be pass block related, even though they haven't been asking the running backs to pass block much. Um, McKissick's graded 82.2 this season, where Gibson's 35 in pass blocking. So unless that changes, that might be something that's needed in order for Gibson to start seeing more playing time. But um, also looking at our strength of schedule tool, which if you're an Edge subscriber, you get uh, Washington's wide receiver matchups going forward, but great where the running back matchups do not. So um, that also adds to me trusting Terry more than Gibson right now. Yeah, and we also got Gibson now popping up, limited practice with a toe injury uh, today. Monitor that, but yeah, it does not look like a takeover. Is imminent, unfortunately. was hoping it was going to be last week, but not quite. Uh, yeah, and the one thing I would also know with McLaurin, I mean, this year, the only guys that more yards after the catch are Kamara, Mike Davis, Robbie Anderson, and Cooper Cup. Like, he is getting so much production once the ball is in his hands. So, you know, there's, like you said, Brutal defense last week. Brutal matchup. Okay, you know, last week, including sacks, Washington threw for 70 yards. Like, they are going to double, triple that more weeks than not, and then maybe yeah. even do more than that. And when they when that happens, Terry McLaurin's going to be the guy getting those yards. So I'm with you. Too talented to truly fall off. All right, with the Packers now. Aaron Rodgers, league's highest scoring offense, coming off a bye. Against a Buccaneers defense, I think we all see is, you know, very sound at all three levels. Do you think A.A. on a company – Keep it up here. Keep balling out. Devontae Adams is back. Tough defense. You know, they've had a pretty easy opening stretch, but can they keep it going? I think they'll definitely be slowed down a little bit, but I think they will do better against the Buccaneers defense than past quarterbacks have done. Um, so far, they faced Drew Brees at his worst, Teddy Bridgewater, Jeff Driscoll, uh, Justin Herbert, and Nick Foles. Um, Herbert's graded out best out of all of those so far this season. So um, they'll definitely be tested more than they have been. Um, losing Vita Bay on the defensive line will hurt them both run defense and pass rush. So I think their defense won't be as good as it has been. Um, Devonte Adams, I believe should be back this week for the Packers. So that also is a big boost to their offense since they've been missing him these past few weeks. So I think Rogers should be able to play fairly well against the Buccaneers defense, but they should be able to slow Rogers down a little bit more than what some of the past defenses have been. One prime matchup in this game, uh, we're expecting Devontae Adams to face shadow coverage from Carlton Davis. Davis did a great job against Michael Thomas in week one. Even last week, I mean, Allen Robinson, 10 catches for 90 yards, but took him 16 uh, targets to get this. It's certainly not his most efficient performance. My view on shadow cornerback matchups is this. If you have like guys ranked right next to each other and you think one matchup is harder, okay at that point. But otherwise, you know, start your studs. Don't overthink it. Are you kind of the same on, on the same wavelength? Yeah, I think especially with this Packers offense, I think you're basically always starting Rodgers. You're definitely always starting Adams and Aaron Jones. You're basically always starting too. So um, the only like questionable one in this offense right now is Robert Tanya. And I think this might be a slightly down week for him since the Buccaneers have been stopping tight ends. But yeah, they've been really good. 
For sure. Yeah. We are never benching Devontae Adams, but also in general, even in lesser guys, you know, don't let these yeah. uh, one-on-one matchups sway you too much. Cause even, you know, the quote unquote shadow situations sometimes only happen in 40, 60 uh, percent of the time. All right. Last storyline here before we get on some strength of schedule. Goodness. Tom Brady, multiple meme worthy moments last week, pretty much all in a bad way. Uh, credit to him for turning it around, making fun of himself. Uh, awesome Twitter post there, but you know, TB 12 up and down year a little bit, but the whole way his arm strength has looked fine. I mean, this is not, uh, you know, 2020 breeze 2015 Peyton nothing like that and I guess natural to expect a bit of a learning curve in this new offense do you think there's a bounce back week coming as early as week six or are we going to need to wait a little bit more I think he definitely can bounce back this week if going back to the Bears game if you look at the injury report before it it was like all four of his wide receivers were out um OJ Howard multiple of his running backs so he wasn't able to practice with basically any of his skill players and now coming off that longer week because they were playing on Thursday and it looked like a lot of the players are back at practice. I think that'll definitely help their offense going forward. So I think they'll be able to rebound against the Packers. Um, if anyone, Mike Evans will probably not have a great matchup since I could see um, them shadowing him with Alexander. But I think the rest of the Packers defense can be attacked by the Tampa Bay receivers. Um, Chris Godwin, if he's healthy, I could see him having a big game. So I think Brady bounces back this week and can continue to play well the rest of the season. Yeah, we got to cut quarterbacks a little more slack when they're playing without their best wide receivers. I mean, Stafford without Galladay, Gardner without Chark, you know, Dak without Cooper over the years. I mean, it makes sense that Brady hasn't been playing maybe the best he could be without the full arsenal out there. So, yes, week six, bounce back. Heard it here first, everyone. A quick shout-out to our sponsors over at pristineauction.com. Check out their daily auctions with $1 starting bids on over 8,000 football items up for auction. Pristine Auction guarantees authenticity on every product. Use code PF for ten dollars off your first invoice and we are currently giving away a signed amari cooper jersey uh through pristineauction.com so make sure you rate and review the podcast and we will be choosing a winner next week great stuff there from our friends at pristineauction.com all right new segment this week everyone i want to do a buy or sell uh with the strength of schedule so nate mentioned our strength of schedule tool that is available for edge subscribers i went through it and you know normally the tool it's projecting the rest of the season i decided just to cut it up a little bit and took the averages for weeks six through nine next four games to see who has you know the best and worst uh schedule coming up now obviously we you know this is all based on five weeks of action so you know it's a little bit of a situation of are we really buying that defense or not and then also do we even want to worry about this offense despite the good schedule so you know strength of schedule like anything in fantasy football one piece of the puzzle shouldn't make our entire decision so that's why we got nate here to tell me if we should be trusting these best or worst matchups and nate we're going to start with one of the best strength of schedules moving forward is ryan fitzpatrick with the dolphins they get the broncos chargers rams and cardinals do you think we'll see fitz fitz magic keep it up um, I'm not sure we'll see him keep it up. We've seen him have excellent stretches in the past, like he's had these past three weeks. Um, the start of the 2018 season, he was basically MVP after week two, and then he didn't keep it up for the rest of that season. So I think that's a little concerning that we've never really seen him have excellent sustained play. But I think with the matchups as well, if you look at our rankings, I think both of us, as well as Kevin Cole, I'll have him 13th for this week. And that's probably the best matchup out of the ones that you mentioned. So um, if you're having quarterback troubles due to bye weeks, I think it's okay to put him in and hope that hope for the best this week. But I'm not sure some of these future matchups are good enough for me to want to put Fitzpatrick in, given the receivers that he has and how the offense was doing earlier in the season as well. 
Yeah, last week it was even looking like potential, you know, mid-game benching scenario if he didn't turn things around. But he did, and it was more fun to watch. I mean, it was wild. In the first uh, four weeks of the season, Fitzpatrick completed just three of eight attempts, throwing at least 20 yards downfield against the 49ers, five of six on deep ball attempts, 199 yards, pair of scores. I mean, if he's going to be Fitzmagic and, like, just just play the way you want to play, man. I want that yellow ball, the, the Josh Allen experience, where if it's great, it's fun to watch, and if it's awful, it's fun to watch. I want that yeah. Fitzpatrick in my life all right now worst strength of schedule uh coming up here is mr Derek carr they're on a bye this week and they get the buccaneers browns and chargers you know i've been a critic of Carr in the past particularly on twitter being you know a little donkey that i am but he's been playing some awesome football this year most notably in that chiefs game where he was showing off you know some true deep ball upside do you think Carr and this raiders uh passing game can overcome this you know tough skid coming up yeah, I think you leave him on the bench these next couple of weeks, but I think those later matchups, the Browns and Chargers, I think he can do well in both of those. Um, they both allowed plenty of uh, fantasy points to tight ends. So Darren Waller, if he just feeds Waller all game long, which is what he does plenty of the time anyway, I think he can have success that way. So um, the Browns matchup in particular is interesting in that their outside cornerbacks have been locked down, but the rest of the defense has allowed more yards than any other defense if you take out the outside cornerbacks. So I think Carr will be able to attack the middle of the defense, which is what he does best. So I think those later matchups he can take advantage of. And like we were talking about before, you know, having your what, good wide receivers helps any quarterback, as we'd expect, and having Henry Ruggs out there, you know, even if he's not going to have the two chunk plays he had last week, only had three targets in that game, even if we see Derek Carr not throwing as deep as he did against the Chiefs, I mean, just the fact that Ruggs is out there forces defense to respect that, and it opens things up that much more for the intermediate underneath routes that we know Carr loves to throw. All right, moving on to running backs. So, best schedule, ironically, these next four weeks, the New York football Jets. Oh, my goodness. Chargers, Bills, Chiefs, Patriots. Now, these are pretty good overall defenses. We've talked a lot on this podcast about, you know, perceived bad run defenses versus just defenses that would prefer uh, to defend the pass because it's 2020, of course. Uh, do you think anybody in this Jets backfield from Frank Gore to LaMichael Pirine to Ty Johnson can put up any sort of production with this nice stretch? Yeah, like two days ago, I was all excited looking at the 2-0, getting ready for Le'Veon Bell to have a great matchup these next couple of weeks, and now we're running into this situation. But Brutal. I think, yeah, like I think their best matchup is this next one, but I don't know who I would trust starting amongst the Jets' backs since Frank Gore was the only one to see any other playing time outside of Bell this last week, and we've seen what he can do. He can run for roughly three yards, maybe a little <laughs> bit more per carry, and if they give him enough carries, then I'll get up to 60 yards. But that's not really something you want starting. Um, LaMichael Pirine, we're hoping that he gets more playing time. He really hasn't graded out that well so far this season on the limited sample that he has been in for. So um, there's certainly a chance he gets some playing time, but I wouldn't trust knowing or not knowing how much he's going to play this upcoming week. And then uh, they added Ty Johnson recently from the Lions. He hasn't played for them yet, but he could mix in somewhere here so I wouldn't trust any of them against the Chargers this upcoming week and then every game after that that you mentioned while they don't have the best run defenses they're still really good football teams that should be making the playoffs so I could see the Jets losing early and needing to pass to catch up rather than running and I really don't know who's going to be the third down back since that was either Le'Veon Bell or Balazs who they let go so (laughs) 
any of the three could end up as a third down back. Yeah, I, I think we're on the same page here. I am not touching this backfield with a 10-foot pull. And the hilarious thing is, like, even if we do get that negative game script situation where one of these scat backs should feasibly be getting more targets, like, I don't even know if we can guarantee that because in yeah. week two, I mean, the Jets lost 31-13, the 49ers. Frank Gore still had 21 carries. Next week, they lost 36-7. to He had 15 carries. It's like Gase is the one guy out there that just, like, truly believes those, you know, if you run 20 times, you'll win every game stats. You know, he's mm-hmm. out there down three scores, you we just got to get to 20, man. We're, we're getting there. Oh, my goodness. All right. Worst uh, RB schedule coming up here is with the New York football giants, Devontae Freeman. You know, that's, I was really out on him, you know, as, as a waiver wire addition. He did have a useful week last week. And, you know, somewhat inexplicably, even though I think Wayne Gallman's looked uh, better with his touches, Freeman is kind of commanding this lead back role. But as we're saying, you know, tough schedule coming up with the Washington football team, the Eagles, Buccaneers, and then even past that, the football team again, the Eagles again. So a bunch of tough defensive lines. We know this Giants offensive line is a rough one. Do you think Freeman can kind of overcome this, uh, you know, O-line and schedule issues and just win on volume alone? Um, I am concerned about the Eagles and Buccaneers game in particular, but twice against the football team, I think he can have some success against them. Uh, we have seen Nick Chubb look good against them. Kenyon Drake probably had his best game against them. Uh, Cam Akers with his big run last week. Um, so I think Freeman being the lead back, seeing a number of carries against Washington, I think he can do well there. I am concerned just in general since he's not seeing those third down snaps. Um, he hasn't had all of the goal line work. They've been sharing that a little bit still. So because he's not even the Giants aren't getting close to the end zone enough to score a lot of touchdowns. But I think with all the bye weeks that are going to be going on over these next few weeks, you might be stuck starting him since he very well could be a top 24 running back, even if he doesn't get any touchdowns and only sees 15 carries for 60 or 70 yards. But that I'm not excited about him in any of those matchups though. Yeah, I guess two of my kind of misses on the waiver wire this year have been Devontae Freeman and Adrian Peterson, more or less thinking, like, how could a coaching staff bring in a veteran back off the streets and just play him over these other guys? It's happened. Yeah. You got to consider that. And as you, I was going through my running back rankings this morning, I was like, well, crap, I guess I got to, you know, Freeman's the next guy up. Like he does have the volume. So it is what it is. Uh, quick shout out to our sponsors here at Monkey Knife Fight. Go to Monkey Knife Fight today. Put at least $20 into their account while using promo code PFF and you will receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's a $40 value for just 20 bucks. And you'll get to use the opportunity to turn that $20 into even more playing uh, daily fantasy and prop games. I'm one of the fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the USA and monkey knife fight. So go to monkey knife fight and deposit your $20 with promo code PFF today to receive your free PFF edge annual subscription. All right. Wide receivers, best and worst. And then we are out of here. Thank you all as always for tuning in. All right. Wide receiver, best schedule moving up. We know Keenan Allen is hurt with this back injury. Mike Williams, every time he goes up for a contested catch, you're wondering if he's going to get up. Okay. But they have a bye this week and then they get the jets dolphins, and there's even moving past this Jaguars, Raiders, and Broncos, you know, maybe Mike Williams is available. Maybe he's not, but we've seen guys like Jalen Guyton, even like Tyron Johnson have these big games. Are you interested in some of these streamer options with Justin Herbert cooking? I'm definitely excited about the Chargers wide receivers in general, looking at that schedule, but they really seem to only trust their four main targets of Allen Williams, their Titan Henry and Eckler. And three of those four have been hurt a bit, but <laughs> Um, those are the only four double-digit targets, even though um, they've had all these injuries. So even if there is someone missing time, I don't know if I trust any of them to see enough targets, even though they've been getting the playing time with Allen missing time, well, he's missing time. 
but um, hopefully with the bye week that gives them some time to heal up and if those two are healthy, then I definitely think Williams and Allen will have big games week after week after week after they can stay healthy. I'm just so happy this Chargers team is like actually watchable. It's looking like one of these mm-hmm. years where they might have all these shiny uh, skill position weapons and not be able to do anything. Now they're hurt at the moment, which just sucks. But yeah, once they get healthy, man, we're going to see some fireworks there with Herbert under center and slinging it. All right, worst wide receiver schedule moving up is the San Francisco 49ers. They got the Rams, Patriots, Seahawks, and Packers uh, coming through. Obviously not worried about the Seahawks game, but the rest of those uh, don't look great. So passing game looked awful against the Dolphins, but we did see Debo get back to a full-time role it's him Ayuk, and Bourne at the top you know do you think they can rebound despite this tough schedule um I don't think at least those top two wide receivers will have good weeks at least these next couple weeks the Rams have been great at their outside cornerback shutting people down and that's the 49ers two best wide receivers so if any of the wide receivers does well it's Bourne, and he's only seeing those snaps in three wide receiver sets which the 49ers being one of the most run heavy teams aren't in three wide receiver sets as much as much as most teams. And then uh, the Patriots as well with their shadow coverage, they'll stop the 49ers best wide receivers again. Uh, the Seahawks will be a completely different story and they'll make up for the two previous games against Seattle. And hopefully both of them will have plenty of yards, but then uh, Packers again with Jair Alexander um, I'm not sure if he'll end up shadowing either of the players, but he'll at least shut down one of them on every play. So um, those wide receivers I'm pretty well avoiding. I think it's also interesting in that um, those are three of the best teams at stopping tight ends as well. So George Kittle, um, you're still starting Kittle because he's George Kittle, but <laughs> those are still tough matchups for him. And it'll be interesting to see how the 49ers can overcome these next few games. Yeah, and I mean, it was interesting seeing what Shanahan said about the Garoppolo benching because his point was pretty much that, you know, being in the position they were in, having to come back now, he didn't want to put a banged up version of him there and ask him to drop back every play. But if we're expecting him to start again next week, like, okay, they're going to be more run first than ever, it looks like. So the already, you know, pretty small volume pie could be even smaller with tough matchups on the horizon. All right, everyone, that's going to be the podcast. Nate, thank you so much again for coming on, man. Everyone, make sure you go follow Nate on Twitter at PFF underscore Nate Yonke. That's J-A-H-N-K-E. Anything on the horizon you want to pitch, Nate? Uh, Just my constant stream of articles. I got the 32 facts to know coming out on Friday. And then just my usual fantasy reactions to every game um, coming out on Mondays and Sundays and Thursdays and this week on a Tuesday. Awesome stuff, man. Yeah, after those games are over, everyone, you're wondering what you just watched all day, go to PFF, find Nate's articles, truly the best takeaway articles you're going to find in the business. So that's going to do it today. Thank you, Nate. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everyone. 